1: Benjamin Solak, it's the Kist and Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode seventy-two, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K I S T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. 8 year Streak. Without a bad day, he is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben. How you doing, brother?
0: Man, Mike, every day is a good day to be alive. Happy Halapuli Vati Vitae podcast.
1: Ugh, it's gonna be a stinker.
0: There's better seventy twos, but I, if it's if it's a guy who's currently on the roster, I have to go for it. It's happy Big V podcast.
1: I can feel I can feel the pressure already.
0: This is um we're like doing the all twenty two show. We're doing a bunch of reviews today as well, right? But we also wanted to, I, we started recording like in the middle of our pre-show chat because Mike was going to tell me that he took the 538 personality test, which is like, like weird thing with the radar charts. And I wanted, I don't want the, I want the answers to be kept on the internet forever. So Michael, even though you have the ability to just take all this out and post anyway, now share with me what 538 thinks about your personality.
1: So one of the major takeaways for me and one of the funniest ones was the agreeableness trait. And they had these agreeableness substrate so it's in a triangle at the top of the triangle is compassion on the bottom left is respectfulness and on the bottom right is trust okay
0: three words that come to mind when i think of michael Kest. <laughs> those three exactly
1: now respectfulness i scored a 50 that's solid right so
0: out of 100
1: yeah out of 100 oh, yeah nice um it's a nice little you know medium area it's it's close to the average ish i guess compassion i'm a, I'm, a, I'm at 25 that ain't great <laughs> no trust trust zero it is the that smallest is, sliver that's shocking the, to me
0: <laughs> like if, I, if you if, if you would have asked me to guess which of the three you would have scored the highest then i would have said trust
1: i respect the fact that i don't trust you
0: right like this is about whether or not you trust people not about your trustworthiness i experience you as very trustworthy But Ah. perhaps you don't experience anybody else's trustworthy, which I mean, let's be real, Mike. I'm constantly one whole minute late to the podcast. So no wonder you have such a a, uh, harsh and critical view on the people of the world.
1: And one of the quotes in here that kills me, the first quote about it, it, because it gives you a whole paragraph that describes your personality, how they see it. So it says low agreeableness. And the quote is, quote, if life seems a little unfair, that's because it sort of is to you personally, unquote. <laughs> 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 yeah. That is pretty good. Hit me with both barrels. Ben, we got that out of the way. You got to take that test and we got to see uh, which parts of your personality are a little bit uh, psycho like mine so I can feel better. I feel like yours are just going to be like awesome and it's going to make me feel worse. No, probably myself.
0: not. I, th- I feel like uh, I think I'll do okay in compassion. Trust might get dicey. Depends. I can be very like just like everybody sucks. But um, <laughs> respect now, that that's – I think we're going to find some trouble there. I think we're I, – I tend to I tend to be a little bit too uh, too uh, holding people in, 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 in uh, too high of an esteem. And so we'll yeah. see what happens. I'm very curious because your results weren't what I expected. So we'll see.
1: I'll have to show you the other ones too. Maybe we'll talk about it at another time. But this is going to be the All 22 Review Show. We're going to do a small portion of that, not as intensive as we usually do. We were supposed to do it on the last show, Kiss and Solak Show 71 – But we ended up talking about Nick Foles, his future, and then we started power ranking the draft needs for the Eagles, and that kind of got out of hand because we're big draft heads. So that's what happens when that happens. By the way, Ben, got to see all your boys from the Draft Network, John Ledyard, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Trevor Sikama. Uh, Saw all of them down there at Shrine Week. We had breakfast at an IHOP. It was nice and pleasant. We joked. We laughed. We had a good time. I'm excited for what you guys are doing over at the Draft Network. Is there anything that you can – because I know a little bit. Is there anything that you can kind of give listeners a peek into what they can expect from the Draft Network? Because we're going to have you who work for them, but also guys like Ledger, Crabs, Marino, and whatnot on the show with us as we prepare for the draft as well. So it'll be a nice little peek into what they have to offer.
0: Yeah, and now so the draft network we're at a very exciting time because it is draft season, which means we are we're in the throes of kind of our our heyday, our hot season, which is great. Uh, and so currently on the site, what you'll see is is you'll have updated big boards. I'm at uh, top 100. A lot of the the Chiefs, the fu- the full timers are at top 150s. You also find the player database, which is a, a database of every potential draft eligible player in the entire world, which is like six thousand people from you know uh, FBS and FCS football. Um, but also more specifically, there's going to be our, our consensus top big board, which has all of the names linked to all of the scouting reports. So if you want to get a feel for who's good in this class, who's got good film, who's going to go high and you go check out the database, you'll not only be able to see the names and see who it is, but you also be able to click on their scouting reports, see what they're strong at, see what they're weak at, you know, uh, kind of project them and see what, uh, what system they fit the best and how they're going to impact the team. Uh, you're also going to find like a full week of senior bowl coverage, including our live shows, uh, immediately after senior bowl practices, which will be streaming uh, on Twitch and on Periscope on Twitter. And so if you follow us on Twitch, the Draft Network or on Twitter at Draft Network LLC, uh, then you'll be able to see our immediate Senior Bowl reaction and all the posts that come from that. And then in February, uh, Phase 2 gets launched, which Phase 2 is, is much more under wraps now. I think you guys will learn more about Phase 2 in a, in a little bit over a week.
1: Can I tell you?
0: Oh, do they give you a little sneak-em-peek-em?
1: I got a little sneak em peek at Phase 2 and I am very, very excited about it. Yeah, and I cannot man. wait to, to use it and to publish content around it like it's going to be amazing and it's not just for guys like me and you it's for you as well gentle listeners you you are going to love this it's, it's incredible it's going to blow your mind but ben go ahead
0: yeah no phase two has some some app features has some uh interactive user interfaces uh opportunity to Prepare for the draft just as a regular fan in a way that you simply never have before. So we're very excited about what's coming down the mountain. and that'll be uh it will we'll announce an official launch date, like I said, in about a week or so. Uh but if you're lucky if you're watching, if you're around during February getting ready for the combine, then you won't miss anything. So yeah, if you follow uh, at Draft Network L L C on Twitter, uh the Draft Network on Instagram and the Draft Network on Twitch, you'll never miss a beat. But uh we've we've been keeping it we've been rolling for uh five six months now you know what i mean like it's always draft season it's just this is this is the time you kind of uh put things in second year so yeah, yeah man I'm, I'm pumped senior bowl week's gonna be a ton of fun i'm jealous you got uh to be with everybody on shrine week i've been up here going to class and doing other pointless wastes of time uh <laughs> so i'm excited to, to take a week off from class and be down in mobile
1: well i'm glad we can spend this time together right here and also next week in mobile for the senior bowl where both me and you will be covering it so again the topics for today's show. We're gonna do some light all twenty-two film review of the divisional round loss to the Saints, where the Eagles were eliminated from the playoffs. Unfortunately, we're also going to get into into some iTunes reviews. We're gonna read some of the real funny ones. We told you guys that we would do this. We also asked for some mean tweets, so we might throw some of uh, some of those out there as well. People weren't when you as say mean we, to us when
0: you say we ask for some mean tweets. Specify what you mean exactly.
1: I you asked, asked for some
0: mean tweets and tagged me in the tweet. Don't worry, I'll do it for you. That's what you did.
1: Well, people weren't as mean as I thought they uh as I thought they would be. I thought they would be coming out in droves to make fun of you, and it just it it didn't pan out that way, but we got some good ones anyway. So let's okay. That's for later. Let's finally get into this all twenty two before we get distracted in some twenty minute sidebar yet again. I wanna start with the quarterback play from Nick Foles. So looking at the day from Nick Foles against the Saints, which is Possibly and very likely his last day wearing an Eagles uniform. I'll just throw some numbers out there and then we can kind of talk about some individual throws if we want. But under pressure, 32% of the time. So a little high. Not game-breaking. But that's under steady fire. Under pressure, he was 5 for 10 for 76 yards and a touchdown there. So uh, 107.9 quarterback rating. So the pressure really didn't rattle Foles too much in the box score. And when it really worked for Foles was play action, which they kicked up a notch. 36% of his dropbacks were play action concepts. And these stats, Ben, with play action, check this out, and you'll see the difference. With play action, 9 for 11, 105 yards, 9.5 yards per attempt. That's very high. One touchdown, 136.7 quarterback rating. Without play action, 9 for 20, 96 yards, 4.8 4.8 yards per attempt, two interceptions.
0: Might not be as good.
1: Massive difference there. And when you hear that, you might think that they should have ran more play action, but they already ran it at such a high rate, especially compared to the rest of the season, that I really wouldn't buy that. And I also think it has to do with his time to throw being a little bit higher this week than it has been since he took over as starter later in the year. 2.45 seconds time to throw, which is still the second quickest time to throw on the week. Just about, I want to say about 0.2. 0.25 higher than it has been recently. I mean, the main thing in this one for me, beyond beyond all the analytics, he was just inaccurate for a good portion of the day. Really bad placement, a lot of balls under some that we can talk about, and I want to talk about the interception. But he was off for the better part of this game. And I saw the I saw the tweet the other day talking about this. I think it was Patrick Claybon of NFL Network where he said, "Quote: yeah. Soon we'll have draft comps like this. Floor: Nick Foles. Ceiling: Nick Foles." Nick Foles. <laughs>
0: Listen, I, I did the uh I, I have no idea where memes come from, so I can't tell you what meme it is. Um but the one where there's the guy and he, he's he's an animated figure and he's like sweating profusely and there's two buttons in front of him and you can change what the labels on the buttons are. The best it's the best joke I've ever made in my entire life. It's just that I labeled the guy Nick Foles and I made one of the buttons really good throw and I made the other button really bad throw. And he's just there sweating trying to deliberate which button to press, because there's no in between. It's just like wow. That throw could not have been more perfectly placed or, wow, they never had a chance to catch that football. It's one of the two.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So, look, we got yelled at by the Foles faction. That's what I'm calling them now for calling him inconsistent. But that's, that's the thing. You can't really yell about that when he's playing well for such a small stretch when we know that one of these games could very well be right around the corner hell, one of these throws could be right around the corner in that game where he's playing really well. That's just kind of like what Foles is, and we saw a ton of that this game. Now, the Saints, and we could talk about their coverage and whatnot, I thought they did a really good job really sticky in coverage and all that stuff, and there were some tight throws that had to be made. They just weren't made in a lot of these cases, Ben.
0: Yeah, and so well, I think when you look at and we're talking about the pressure splits and we're talking about the play-action split, what the Saints were able to do most effectively in terms of generating pressure on nick Foles and that being able to throw him off like when you go into the tape i think it's not that they were blitzing and and, and
1: they weren't yeah third down right. i think i only charted one or two blitzes i think it was some more early right. down stuff but definitely not they, on third they down.
0: blitzed earlier in the game and they stepped away from it which was the yeah. correct in game adjustment hats off to dennis allen defense coordinator for doing it blitzing nick Foles is a bad idea and the reason blitzing nick Foles is a bad idea is because he's a smart quarterback who's very good pre-snapping he knows where his hots are like, like the number one example is the touchdown to Jordan Matthews where play side was the other side of the field play. They they're running little, you know, basic levels, like triangle read to the, the one side of the field, like two short breaking in cuts, one intermediate breaking in cut run levels. It was a two high look before the snap at the snap. The saints rotate down from two high into one high into single high. So there's a change post snap because they're bringing five. And so they're bringing the safety down into the middle of the field. It's cover one man. Once Foles hits play action, once he looks up and he sees that the Saints have gone from two high to one high, he knows he's going to have outside leverage, single coverage on that deep post. And he even had a shorter throw, again, outside breaking underneath that post, again, away from the play side. Play side was the levels concept over there, beating two high coverage. Well, they changed the one high, and so Foles knows to come to the other side and just throw a faith throw. Like, that's that's a one-on-one, and you expect Jordan Matthews to beat P.J. Williams. And Foles puts a great ball out there. Again, he hit the really good throw button. Yep. And and it's a touchdown, right? It's fantastic throw, perfect process. And that's where, you know, Foles is successful in terms of when you blitz him, you're not going to be able to play much coverage on the back end that requires a lot of post-snap processing. You're allowing throws to fo- Foles to throw hot, and that's the thing at which he's the most effective. That's where he's very strong. You can run like... You know, zone blitzes go like three underneath three high. If you want to, um, but like I said in the in the pregame show, the Saints don't really do that when they blitz. The Saints go to cover one man. They go to cover zero, and so stepping away from the blitz. And running far more coverages where they're up near the line of scrimmage, where their safeties were close to the line of scrimmage, and their linebackers were buzzing quickly to the flats, prevented Foles from getting the ball out quickly. And I think that's where pressure gets involved. That's because you're able to take away what Foles wants to do pre-snap. That's where you're starting to be able to fluster him, even if you're not getting like great pressure moving him off his spot. Foles is not a good post-snap processor. So the greatest pressure you can put on him is to force him to make decisions after the snap. And that's yeah. where I think you saw Foles with with some poor throws, uh, forcing the ball into coverage where, nece- where it wasn't necessarily the best choice. And that's, that's when you have him constantly going beyond the sticks, kind of going to his first read, instead of just kind of like facilitating into space like a point guard, the way we typically see him do.
1: And let's go to turn your pages to... Second quarter, 13.45 in the game. This is the interception to Zach Ertz, and I want to talk about this because it kind of hits on some of the points that you were talking about. Pre-snap, right? so what they have for the Eagles is a condensed alignment, two wide receivers set. They've got the double wing tight ends. They're on opposite side of the sides of the formation, so this is eventually going to go to Ertz on like an out-and-up type deal. Pre-snap, the Saints are showing single high safety. Right before the snap, you see them start to rotate into too high. Now, this is But based on the leverage and and what I can tell, this, this is cover two zone. Like, really basic stuff, right? Yeah. So, Ertz releases. Marshawn Lattimore chucks Matthews to the inside and then fades off to Ertz, who is breaking out. So, Ertz collisions him at the top about 10 to 12 yards past the line of scrimmage and then shoots up. Now, with those two high safeties, that means that turkey hole, right, between the corner and the safety is where the throw needs to be. It needs to be over that corner. But what... Lattimore does, and this is something that the Eagles corners were not very good at doing was Lattimore didn't care about anything coming underneath because he knew he had extra coverage because the Saints dropped an extra guy into coverage. They only rush three, so they have an additional underneath zone so they can spread that drop coverage eight, out more.
0: Right. Yeah. And drop the thing about the thing about drop eight is this. I'm sure the drop eight checks like exist. I'm sure like they know what to do, but drop eight is just a coverage where like for us, for me, there's so little data on drop eight that I can't tell you what the procedure is when when you drop eight. Like what I know is, yeah, absolutely, what you're bringing up in terms of Lattimore knows he can fly deep uh, and he can support there because he has an extra underneath defender. But like uh, the Leighton Vander esh interception was against drop eight. Uh, right. That was that was Carson Wentz's one. Um, the Nick yep. Foles interception, Zach Cunningham was against drop eight. Like when when teams are dropping that defensive tackle, there's a struggle for the Eagles defense
1: or for the Eagles offense. You mean.
0: Eagles offense. I pulled a kiss. Sorry.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, what you see is Lattimore is able to drop. So, Foles drops back, and just he has to move in the pocket slightly, and it's just a big underthrow, man. It's seven yards underthrown, and because Lattimore is able to drop underneath, he's able to go up and make that play. And that's a tough play for Ertz, too, because he has, number one, at that point, when he's running upfield, it's really hard to just plant your foot and go up and get it. Like there's a gear down process to that that Zach Hertz has mm-hmm. to go through. So it's hard for him to really come back and impact the catch point. But he goes up with Lattimore. Lattimore just makes a great play. So great play call that really confused the Eagles. Bad throw by Foles, fantastic play by Marshawn Lattimore. So that's kind of what we saw in the passing game. Any other passing game notes that you wanted to have before we started to move on in this condensed all twenty two review?
0: Yeah, no, I, I simply think when it comes to this, like the the simple reality of it was it was a bad ball. It should be six. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and yep. in the same and in the same way that Drew Brees's uh interception in the opening play of the game should have been six. Uh there should have been six. And that would have put Philadelphia at this point, I believe, up 21 to nothing with a little bit uh, with a little bit into the second quarter. And we we said, like, you know, I I got I remember during the game, I got yelled at because I said, like, right now up 14, nothing. You know, first half, your number one prerogative is not running the score up. It's ball control. The last thing you want to do on this drive is turn the football over. Last thing you want to do is give a spark. And l- little did we know that a yeah. turnover would turn into two fourth down conversions, one of them a fake punt, the other one on the goal line, uh, and the Saints will walk away with seven on what ended up being a huge drive for them. I mean, this this play right here killed all Philadelphia's momentum, and it was simply a bad throw. Yeah. Right. And, and and what's curious is you can go back to a game that I believe was like 14 nothing or 21-7 or something against the Saints in week 11, where Philadelphia really needed to get something going on offense. It was a different situation. But basically, Carson Wentz took so much air out of Philadelphia sales in New Orleans because he threw a really bad pick to right. Marshawn Lattimore. You, that you have a playmaking corner. He can he can uh, change the game like that. But it just goes to show you the impact I think turnovers have on a game. Like like after that pick, Marshawn Lattimore, the Saints ran away with Week Eleven, and they did the same thing in, in, in the divisional round as well.
1: And even if that thing is thrown like not ahead of Ertz to where he's just running with it, I mean he comes down with that ball at the twenty yard line. You're looking at a three score lead at the very worst, unless you know Jake Elliott comes out there and shanks one. So yeah, big time momentum. And it's so change. interesting
0: because usually Foles. Like I understand why he put this thing on a rope because he's still worried about the hash safety. Like I get that, but hash safety taking the so post so far away. He's taking the post from tape, yeah. which is what you want this play to do on design. Now it's a Tampa two drop because yeah. they're dropping eight. Like that, that middle linebacker's getting deep into the hole. So I guess you're worried about him continuing to carry tape, which allows the safety to come off the hash and get involved with the throw. But usually you see Foles put air under this thing. Usually yep. he's, he's putting that thing with a lot of, uh, a lot of touch on it. He has the rifle the thing in there. It's probably why it came short. It's not his typical throw. Arm strength like that is not his. It's, he's like okay, but it's not his strength.
1: So I was just looking up some Eagles personnel numbers while we were talking there and 28%, 12 personnel and a single solitary play with three tight end sets from the Eagles on the day. We expected a lot of 11. That's what we got those three wide receiver sets as opposed to two tight ends. That's that's what we got in this game. We figured it would be more effective and it was 50% success rate from the pass and from the run from 11 personnel. Much worse numbers from 12 personnel. They weren't just they just weren't able to run effectively. From 12, which we knew they would struggle to pound the rock against this third-ranked DVOA rush defense, but that would have helped keep the offense ahead of the chains, keep them on the field, not have that time of possession turn so poorly, you know, out of their favor. I'm I'm assuming, despite the low point total, that you'd like them following our recommendation in terms of the groups that they used. Or after having viewed the film, have you changed your mind?
0: Yeah, I would like to see more twelve. Uh, which you know, shocking. Like for how men. much though?
1: Maybe like five to ten percent. Like maybe like yeah. Yeah.
0: I I'll put it this way. I would have liked to have seen. I was fine with the amount of eleven they opened with. Uh, by the time we got to quarter four. And we uh, we kind of needed to desperately move the football. I would have been cool with seeing some more 12 personnel. Obviously, you kind of lose the threat a little bit that you're going to run out of it, which is one of the strengths of 12 personnel, you know, kind of forcing base defense because teams believe you could be running the football out of 12 makes more sense. You have two blockers in that regard. But I would have liked to have seen a little more of it because it had been their most effective package. And it's what they had been successful in with Nick Foles over recent weeks. So kind of like, all right, there's a do or die drive. Let's go back to what's been good for us, you know, for the past month or so. Uh, and really, they stayed with 11, which started out hot. And then obviously had like six straight drives where the Philadelphia Eagles were unable to score. Yeah, I can't complain about it too much because, again, to me, this was a game where poor execution from the quarterback position is what put them down is what was killing the offense. Uh, and then, like you know a, a really untimely mistake from a top wide receiver who's the man you know, really put the nail in the coffin like to me, there's a lot uh you know you like this this reminds me of like those middle early middle of the year games where people were really mad at Peterson and we were and it was like listen if people were just making throws and making blocks like this one be a problem you know like like uh, you can always nitpick on personnel and designs and whatever like you know like I was calling for like you know a little like inside screen like one of those things that, that worked so well for them recently they didn't run that I mean okay but again if Alshon Jeffrey like you know catches the pass if Nick Foles is able to hit Zach Ertz on that third down if he's able to hit uh, Alshon Jeffrey a little better on the on the Von Bell switch route like you know we're cooking with a little more grease so it, it's tricky
1: Ben turn your page to quarter four 12:35 left. It's first and 10. We kind of touched on this in the last show, but I kind of wanted to go over it again here.
0: Oh, is this Bradham getting eaten alive?
1: Yeah. Ben, this was unquestionably the worst game I've ever seen from Nigel Bradham in an Eagles uniform. And this is, this nah. is just one example. And people are saying this is a hold, and I just have no interest in gifting a flag when a dude got blown up. This is a 36-yard run from Mark Ingram. Saints lead with a fullback, Zach Lyon. Bradham steps up and mm. just gets utterly destroyed. In fact, he gets blown up so bad, not only is his gap vacated, but he gets pile-driven into the gap Avanti Maddox was trying to fill, thus effectively taking both of them out of the play. So Lyon gets a two-for-one here, so there's just nobody there, and, right. it's, and it's a foot race, which I mean, thankfully, Ingram isn't that fast, and Craven LeBlanc is able to track him down from behind to save it, but front to back, as you say, Ben, stem to stern, I could not have disliked Bradham's. Entire performance any less, and I wonder what the butterfly effect would have been if his pass coverage snaps, of which there were 40, were swapped with Jordan Hicks, who only had 17.
0: I don't, I like Bradham had some bad plays. Third and 16 was a bad play. Yeah. I don't think this was the worst game you played in the Eagles uniform. I don't.
1: When, I mean, what can you think of one? Because what, I Tampa can't think Bay of one on the League top two? of my head.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, he he's had some rough games this year. Yeah, had better games last year, but everybody's up-and-down games. To me, I, I simply—New Orleans putting a, 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 the coverage linebacker into conflict with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Like, this is what happens to every linebacker who plays New Orleans, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah he was, like, exposed in coverage. I haven't met a linebacker who wasn't exposed in coverage. They have Alvin Kamara running across to the backfield. It's obnoxious. This play specifically—I'm sorry— but if Trayvon Hester can freaking anchor against the double team, it's not a problem.
1: Let's watch Hester here. I'm hitting play. He's got the double, right? Here's the thing don't fight two men, get one guy. Get off one guy. Like, he's trying to fight both guys here. At least that's what my eyes are well, seeing, that, just right. from the initial view.
0: So, but, but, so what we're talking about, this is uh, this is a fantastic teaching tape on how to take a double. So if you do have game pass, or like how not to, but like what you should do. If you do have game pass, again, this is twelve thirty-five, quarter four. Traylon Hester is the three-tech play side. And now what he's going to get is he's going to get what looks like inside zone action away. Both his guard, which is his visual key, and his tackle, which is his pressure key. Take steps uh, to his right, you know, uh, away from the other side of the ball he's aligned. And it looks like it looks like it could be inside zone because he's expecting a double team. I said yeah. visual key and pressure key. You're looking through the guard into the backfield when you're lined up as the three tech. So that's your visual key. How he moves, you're watching him, is going to impact what you do. If he comes toward you, all right, you've got to maintain leverage in the B gap. It's zone two. If he starts going away from you, all right, you want to collision him. Don't give him a free release up to the second level. It's zone away, right? You want to make sure that you create some traffic on the back side you also have your pressure key which is your is the tackle you're not looking at him but you can feel him on your left side coming from your other side and if he comes towards you well you know you're expecting a double team you know if he comes to down block you and that guard starts to pull it's run outside you've got to go replace the gap go get outside that tackle so you're 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 reading those two players and when they both give you those zone step you step into the b gap as he does and then as they go to double team you contact sure you contact the guard you get your shoulder into the tackle and you drop your hips and drop your pads you get low so as to not be moved off that spot and you hold that point of attack so that when Nigel Bradham comes up to fill against the the fullback he only has to fill against one shoulder of the fullback right like as this fullback comes up it comes right at Bradham the gap is pretty big and Maddox is coming to fill the the new C gap and Bradham is going to come fill the new B gap because as the fullback comes into the space, he adds a new gap, right? Like we go A A gap, B gap, C gap. Well, when the fullback gets inserted, there's two sides to the fullback, left shoulder yeah. and right shoulder. So he's adding a new gap, you know what I'm saying? And so Bradham would come up and fill the new B-gap and, and Max could fill the new C-gap, but as Hester tries to anchor against this double team, his hips are up and his shoulders are up and it lets the right tackle get control of him, Ryan Ramchick. And when he does that, he's able to turn Hester out of the gap. He's able to really generate displacement. And now there's a big old B-gap and a big old C-gap and Bradham feels the responsibility to take this block head on instead yeah. of taking it just on a shoulder, taking half a man, just taking it with one shoulder and leaving one shoulder clean. And when he does that, Zach Klein puts him into kingdom. Come Bradham is not in a position of strength, right? If you want, like Bradham's trying to get back into the C gap, which he doesn't have to do. He should know Maddox is there. That's his mistake. Right. But the amount of space that Hester loses on the double team is what puts Bradham into a state of conflict. And that's why run fits are so like we talk about run fits. You run fit as a unit. You run fit as a. Everybody has to be responsible for their gap. Hester gets knocked, like you said, Bradham gets knocked into Maddox. Hester gets knocked into Jordan Hicks, who's trying to come support the play side because Hicks is trying to work back from the weak side, right? And Hicks can't get over there because Hester got driven all the way back into him and Hicks makes a diving attempt and he fails, you know?
1: I think if anyone gets held, it might be Hicks there. You can right. see the. Yeah.
0: Right. So there's a situation where, like, they're running. Like ISO, right? This is just this is just. I think take
1: take a look at this. Watch 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 the feet of the guys. I, I I wanted to to ask you this as as I'm watching. Like watch this center and the left guard. The left guard takes an insight. Is this duo? This might be duo.
0: I don't think it's duo, and the reason okay. I don't think it's duo is because typically you have to run duo out of two tight end sets, two tight ends to the side, because you're gonna you what you'd want to get. You're gonna get the um the outside. But what if you, what, so you, what if
1: you have a tight end and a fullback?
0: Right, so you have right. I, that's what I'm saying. You have the fullback yeah. to that side, but what you're what you're really seeing here is, in my opinion, which like this may, maybe you're calling this like fullback duo. Like I've never seen duo like you know teams don't use fullbacks that much, so like right. I can't really you know testify here.
1: I don't think I've ever seen fullback duo either, right. but yeah, it's interesting. Right,
0: you're seeing two single blocks between tight end and fullback on the play side, which mm. typically on duo you see one and then the two double teams. One of the double teams here is more so backside. At the same time, absolutely, those two double teams on the, on the one tech and the three tech are very duo looking and duo esque. To me, this is just an ISO play. Cause I think on duo, you typically stay longer on your double teams and you let like Jordan Hicks and Malcolm Jenkins, the linebackers, quote unquote, who are coming up, you let them read. Yeah. And you see them get off the double teams pretty quick. So to me, this is just ISO, but absolutely, there's like, there's similar, there's similar tones here. Regardless. It's a a well drawn up play, but like this is just shows to show you this is a quick hitting play. Ingram straight up the gut, He's coming straight for the B gap right off the fullback spot. This is immediate. You need to be able to hold the point of attack. Traylon Hester does not do so. And it puts every supporting cast run fit behind him. In a little bit trickier of a situation. The hole is bigger for Nigel an Bradham to handle. It's bigger for Von D. Mattis to handle. There's more traffic for Jordan Hicks to get through. Ingram's got good enough contact balance, good enough burst to get to the third level. And then, you know, Corey Graham gets blocked by like two guys.
1: Any other plays that you wanted to touch on? I see you were again <laughs> running late into a topic because that's what we do. We get, we get, we get stuck on one play and there's so many different things. And this is kind of like you can't just watch film and go, play to play to play to play to play. You've really got to like take everything in as you go through it to understand all the different nuances. Cause I didn't notice Hester the first time that I watched it. So that's a good point by right. then. And then we start talking about is it duo, is it ISO, you know, all these th- and, and you start to that's when you start pulling up different video clips and film breakdowns and, and, and all this stuff. And that's how you really learn the game. But Ben, any other thing uh, that you wanted to talk about in this game from the All-22 film review before we get to some of these iTunes reviews that we love so much?
0: Yeah. Last thing I would bring up on the offensive side of the football is uh, having watched the film, I can confirm that in no way, shape or form was like a a, a panting doubled over sweating Elshon Jeffrey frantically hustling up to the line of scrimmage <laughs> before the interception. He's just standing there like a regular person. Nick like five Foles seconds. is – Right. Now, Foles is late to the slant.
1: Now, watch what happens to, to, to Jeffrey's hands. He runs this. He's expecting – he puts his hands up. Yeah, as he puts his hands down, that's when the ball comes. So he's got to shoot his hands back up.
0: Which, right? Which, 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 which which on the broadcast film, I was like, it feels like he's looking for it. And what you see is Foles reads the drop of that middle linebacker. Uh, He's got a sail concept to the uh, play side, and then it slant flat to the backside. And that middle linebacker drops towards the slant flat, which usually is okay. We're throwing the sail route, like we're we're throwing that idea over there. But he also gains a ton of depth, and so Alshon's able to get like a lot of cushion in front of him, right? There's a lot of space. And so there's hesitation for Foles because typically that that linebacker open is, don't throw slant flat, but also like he got a lot of depth because they're worried about the deep shot probably. They're more worried about the outside boundary. And so, yeah, ball's late. Foles takes an extra. You can see him take a little uh, bunny hop in the pocket. Ball's late, which probably contributes to the drop slightly also it's usually a catch alshon makes that is what mostly contributes to the drop but anyway anybody who like you know again there's no like reason to go run a play like you don't have to but i don't think it was a problem i think there was a ball was late and it was a catch alshon usually makes and and, you know stuff goes wrong
1: again i thought this was a play that they were running beforehand with sproles the the run that was a kill they had, they had both plays in there. He could have passed or run. So they weren't running to get to the two-minute warning. Like, that wasn't the sole intent of that run. They saw box numbers. They liked what they saw. They killed it to a run. That's the only reason it was a run. Just like the Eagles do all the time. So they weren't trying to get it down to the two-minute warning. They definitely weren't rushing up because the play went nowhere. You it, Alshon Jeffrey literally has, has to walk back five steps to where he was. And then 20 seconds later, the ball is snapped. Like, it's the most calm, no huddle that you're going to see and plus i mean dealing with the, the the crack ribs and and credit to alshon because something that i noticed in watching the game again from the film the first two catches like the big catches that alshon has he immediately taps out and goes to the sideline you can tell like he's in in pain he,
0: he does that he does that like not like what am I trying to say here? He does that like sometimes, like that's the thing that he's done before. I don't, I don't disagree. Like you can, you can tell he's like uh, he's beat up. Like you know, it's the attrition of the season for sure. But he, yeah. he often does that where he gets a big catch, he immediately walks over to the sideline. He's like, "Listen, I just picked up thirty yards. I need Gatorade." Like this is ridiculous.
1: Ben, so that's gonna do it for the uh, the all twenty two film right. review here with the Saints and the Eagles. We'll get to these promised long promised iTunes reviews that you guys have written, Ben. Is there anyone that stands out? The one the one that I love was about you, the person that saw you, Manring JK. Five stars. Yeah, interesting. The topic is, Ben is somewhat squirrely in real life. Quote, Ben, I was living in Chicago right by you. I saw you while I was listening to you yelling on the pod, and for a moment I thought about running up to you to say hi until I realized I would look crazy. You guys do a great job. So much love. Oh, Okay. I love this.
0: At any time, if you see me, come up and say hi. It's no, no, like, you want to look crazy? You look like a person who recognized another person. It's all good.
1: Let's see here.
0: Uh, okay, so way, way, way back. Oh, found it. Okay. The best, period. Five stars from Echo Derelict. I once stood next to Nick Foles at one of those urinal troughs, and his piece fell out and made a kersploosh sound. Only a bar of gold or cinder block hitting the ocean from a great height would make. Also... I can only make love when the sound of Brandon Gowden's voice encompasses me. My wife hates it, but it's the only way I can maintain my Philly special. So she lets me wear headphones. Oh, yeah. This podcast is good. One out of one listener has found this review helpful. (laughs) Okay.
1: I love that he calls it his Philly special. Yeah, let's do it.
0: Absolutely also like a blo- a brick of gold or cinder block two things that are like equally valuable
1: uh, i like this uh, somebody created an itunes account with the yeah. username kissed and solac rules with a bunch of right, S's.
0: and they misspelled the name of the show
1: list and solac rule the world <laughs> <laughs> five stars i am a super loyal listener and i'm always excited when you guys drop a new episode you guys give the most informative football podcast, and Solak is hyper and funny. Keep up the good work.
0: I feel like even when now people try to say nice things about me, like "oh, he's hyper and funny," like those are words I use to describe squirrels. Like that's just this is a problem.
1: <laughs> we got to get new music for the for the show for the off season. I feel like okay. there, there's a change. When I when I
0: when I mix a show, when I edit a show, which will be a thing I do at some point, I will choose the the intro music, and it will be oh, yeah? it will be a. It will be a slap. It will be a banger. What's the thing? It slaps. That's what cool kids say. There it is. I got it. Let's see. Uh, all right. Let's find all the different things that people say about me that sucks. Uh, could be my go-to podcast. Five-star. Boston. Bob. Labo. Um, uh, I was bleeding green split. live in Massachusetts. E.A. Podcast. You guys bloom. i Taylor. Ben is a little squeaky, but that's because he is still a punk kid. Lol. But as a <laughs> punk kid impressive knowledge wise yay thank you
1: jph 150 amazing five stars i have a crush on benjamin solak michael kiss two isn't too bad either (laughs)
0: Kiss two where was the one where was the guy who told me to always be sick because my voice sounds better when i'm sick really like that one
1: there's so many reviews dude like it's uh, crazy
0: that boy Driz, finally new content five stars uh long live blg always got to show appreciation to the silent assassin yay a new episode don't know what that is Da, da da da! New content goes podcast. Real experts talking about the great work, guys. Side note: Ben gets sick every week, which probably sounds harsher than I intended to, because your voice sounds better. Who was it? Somebody on Twitter when we when we called out for it told me how much my voice sucks. I gotta find. Did you tweet that from the main account?
1: Yeah. Let me let me pull that. We, we As I've always said,
0: like I've never once before in my entire life like been a, a person who's like subconscious about how his voice sounds like on like voicemails or whatever. And then I started this podcast with you. With your ridiculously perfect voice, and now I, every time I listen to the podcast, I'm like, I hate, I hate how my voice sounds. This was what it was. It was very funny. Matt Trowbridge at Throwbridge. Yeah. Uh, Ben's voice sounds exactly like his haircut looks. Which dog? <laughs> there, aren't, I don't know how many pictures there are of me on the internet. I'm assuming he's talking about my old profile picture where I had the French crop and the bow tie. Which was mm. very like, like it was a very uh bougie looking photo.
1: Is that the one that I that I took and photoshopped your hair onto my head? Yes. Yes, yeah. which
0: really made me really comfortable. Uh I <laughs> really I was so okay seeing that. It was great.
1: Chris Garbaugh chimed in and I appreciate that, Chris. At the at the underscore c train i mean it's hard to criticize you guys now how many reads will it take for michael Kist nfl to read that without flubbing it well i nailed that one it's the offense and defense part that i always have trouble with in these doggone previews, and I know that sounds bad being a football podcast, and I can't discern between offense and defense, but it happens. We switch up the order in which we do our preview shows. Everyone leave me alone. Everyone focus your attention on how squirrely Ben is.
0: We should uh we should bring up this one here, because he'll be upset if I don't bring it up. Also on the tweet, uh Ben has more cardigans than friends. Yes. Uh, which was tweeted out by at Nico solak nicholas solak who's my wonderful young brother who i love dearly who makes fun of the amount of cardigans that i own i don't know why i think cardigans are very comfortable and i think they're stylish and they make me cozy and he finds it to be he's he's uh, he's in high school so he's a junior uh he finds it to be a great point of humor and so yeah he decided to you know send out his one tweet per month because twitter's not cool for young kids anymore by the way i just learned this to criticize me on my podcast so thanks Nico. love you buddy
1: so one of the ones I'll point out, I just want to make a broad point here before we get out of here. One of the reviews, and a lot of the reviews are like this. I I, I would spend a lot of time reading all of these, but this is kind of the point of the show here. By Red Cans, fantastic podcast, five stars. Listening to these guys make you feel like you're in the film room with a coach breaking down film. Extremely knowledgeable and entertaining. This podcast is an absolute must for very hardcore Birds fans. And the stuff that you guys have written about the content that you like, letting your voice be heard about, we want the in-depth stuff, we want the analytics talk, we want the film talk, we want to really understand the context of what's happening with our Eagles team beyond the box score, beyond the win-loss column, and the amount of you that have chimed in and said that you really appreciate that aspect of this show. I mean, this is really the context show. If If you want to know what's going on with the Eagles, just beyond the reactionary nonsense, then we like to be your home for that. So we appreciate all of you chiming in with that. It makes us feel great. That's what we're here for. I mean, Montenege, M-O-M-O-T-N-A-G-E says these guys are young, but clearly have done their homework on fundamental NFL concepts on offense and defense. Well worth the listen. I'm not that young. Ben's the young one. I'm an old man. I'm starting to get grays in my beard, but yeah, uh, Ben is, uh, incredibly.
0: I'm already emotional.
1: Ben's football intelligence for how young he is is far beyond mine and i've been trying to learn this crap for years now and he only gets better i try to get better along with him so i don't get outpaced on these podcasts talking about some of these concepts but uh we really appreciate you guys chiming in with that if you want to be more interactive with the show we would definitely advise you to have the nfl game pass to where you can see the coaches film if not i'm sure you've dvr'd the game itself And you can go through and follow through with us and turn your pages, turn your books to the plays that we're talking about here. But overall, we hope that you get some value out of this show other than just entertainment and learn something along the way about football so you can see what to look for so you can enjoy the game at a higher level, a level that you weren't able to enjoy it before.
0: All right. Now that that was emotional and nice, can I bring it back to jokes? Yeah. Yo, so slack. Wait, okay, I don't know. There's a strong open. Five stars from cells with five Zs. I always wonder if Ben even knows the team name because he never says it, SMH. But he, I, I guess he's a true fan. Kiss is a genius, done. How much to get a video of Ben running the entire route tree? I feel the world needs to see his athletic profile. Number one, not going to happen. Number two, <laughs> this is the exact... 100% of the same thing that people then started tweeting at me because... Everybody gets so mad at me because I say Philadelphia and I say not the Eagles and I don't know I don't get it. does you? I. It's very clear what I'm talking about. It's the <laughs> Eagles podcast. <laughs> it's
1: that that seems like people like from Philadelphia, which is weird yeah. that they don't say Philadelphia when they live in Philadelphia. All of them say Eagles. Right. They just they just say Eagles. Like I don't say Philadelphia. It's a long way to go to say Eagles. Like right. Philadelphia. I think I really it's like. Quicker.
0: Right. So there's a couple things. Number one, I think I really like the word for the the name of the city, Philadelphia. Number two, I know people say that I pronounce it with a little too much of a guttural reduction on the E. Like I say Philadelphia instead of Philadelphia, which I hear. It's annoying. Right. Thirdly, uh, when you're when you're counting five lits, when you're like I was uh, on the drum line for five years in high school, when you're counting five lits, right, like five um, like hits, five hits in a beat. Philadelphia is five syllables. So, Philadelphia, 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 Philadelphia. So, like, I'm used to using the word, I think. Uh. And also, I don't care. It's just what I say. Suck it up. Like, I feel like we, I feel like we, I feel like we produced one episode of Locked on Eagles. We were like, hey, welcome to the world. It's Locked on Eagles. Michael Kiss, Benjamin Solak. The Eagles are great. And then our first response was like, yo, why does Ben never say the Eagles? Like, I feel like it has been since day one that it's just been Ben has never once said the Eagles in the podcast. So, I'm definitely going to try. Like I don't probably not like a um an upcoming show because there won't be like you know in the season. But next year I'm gonna try to do a, a whole show where I don't say Philadelphia once. I just say the Eagles the whole time. Just to see what it feels like.
1: I think there was a show that me and you did because people were really amping up the discussion about it. And I think there was right. a show that we did a while ago where every time you said where every time you said Philadelphia, I just came in with a quick Eagles. <laughs> like yeah, I, know, I remember
0: this. <laughs> this. That was like a multi-show thing. That was a good bit. But either way. Yeah, no these 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 reviews are tremendous, and we didn't read ten thousand of the ones that are the really kind ones, uh, and and the ones that remind us, you know, like for for us, like not only do we try to produce this content, uh, but we also consume it, you know, like we because we're we're constantly working on, uh, how does the offense win? How does the defense win? What can they be doing personnel wise? What can they be doing formation wise? What can statistics tell us about why the the offense is successful, struggling defense successful, struggling because that's how we work, that's also the, the content that we consume. And so these reviews always, at least to me, serve as a reminder. There's a lot of content out there that that just isn't worth consuming that gets shared and it gets discussed and it gets debated. And, it, and that just kind of brings the level of conversation understanding down. And that's that's not like a, a a a chirp or like, I'm not like trying to like, you know, not name a name, like there's nobody I have in mind. It's just simply that like, for us, this is how we understand football and how we like to to read about it and learn about it. And we forget that like this is a, a new way for a lot of people. Um, because it's what we've been used to like working with in football for quite some time. And so to hear that like, you know, people say like I didn't know what 12 personnel was and now I can't stop talking about it. Like, you know, I can now like see what mesh sit wheel is on the on the television. It's just really cool because uh, it, it is uh, a game that you've watched for twenty, thirty, forty years that you're now like seeing it in a different light. Because you know we were able to sit here and somebody gave us money to talk about football for forty minutes three times a week, so it's tremendous, (laughs) and we're very blessed. We're very thankful, and so thank you as always (laughs) for listening to the Kiss and Soul Act show here on BGN Radio. Uh, In the immortal words of S Clothier twenty nine, subscribe to the pod for exclamation points, or the D Pump loving squirrel boy will come for your skull. Uh, (laughs) So. That's a threat. Um which there actually is a Marvel superhero called Squirrel Girl who's ridiculous, but whatever.
1: You need to get a part in that movie as Squirrel Boy, and it needs to be a real will they won't they? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to the pod, or Deep Pump love and Squirrel Boy will come for your skull. I feel like that's like a like a really bad gangster name and like a USA movie or something like that or a television show <laughs> podcasts for the entire off season. We had so many people like, "Oh, you guys are still doing shows? Heck yeah, we're still doing shows. Senior Bowl shows are coming up, draft preparation shows, free agency preparation shows. These will all be coming up for you over the next week and two weeks as we go deeper into the off season. I'm sure we'll also talk about, you know, the playoffs and the championship games and the Senior Bowl or and the Super Bowl as they roll through. If you subscribe, on whatever app you listen to your podcast, you will get notified when we release a show. And that way you'll know that you never miss anything that we put put out. These were a lot of the- the reviews we didn't read all the wonderful ones i'm sure there are ones that we missed and we're sorry if we did but five-star ratings and reviews do so much for us in terms of where the podcast ranks among sports and recreation category and that obviously looks good for those uh those higher powers that be who like i said let us do this work so go ahead subscribe rate and review always hit us up on twitter i'm at benjamin solak that's S O L A K. he's michael kist on twitter at michael kist nfl that's k-i-s-t I would imagine uh, probably in the beginning of next week, Mike, we will start to get you guys prepped and ready for the early parts of the Senior Bowl. So we will catch you then.
1: We all we got. We all we need. Fly Eagles Fly. To listen to podcasts, check it out.